Okay, good. All right, what's up? What it do? Time for another episode of the Intellectual Stew with yours truly. I'm usually playing my little music around this time so uh, so I can do my little sharing and all that stuff. But we had some technical difficulties, which are now fixed. And so we're getting ready to move uh, farther. But uh, hey, I'm hey, I'm excited about tonight's show. I brought Myra in a little sooner than I wanted to because, like I said, we were having some technical difficulties. So give me a second. Let me get my groove back because... Uh, I'm lost right now. I gotta get give me give me a second to balance myself. Here we go. Bam. There we go. I need to hear it, Myra. If I don't hear my whole song before I get started, I lose my motivation and things just aren't the same. So now we're starting to show at 9.03 as opposed to nine o'clock. I'm sorry. So if you need to share this three, go, huh? People are saying they can't get in. They can't get in. Yeah, they don't see it. Oh, where they? Huh? Someone just got it on YouTube, but yeah, it's on my face. They, they need to go to my Facebook page. It's uh, it's the link that I shared earlier today. Uh, where where are they okay. trying to grab it from? They Did probably you can go to your sh- share it on your uh, sh- just share the thread on your page if you can. Okay. And if they, then then they can just go to your page and watch it. But uh, yeah, it's it's the link that I shared earlier. It's either gonna be on my Facebook page, or it's going to be on uh, YouTube. I, we're not gonna have Instagram tonight because. I don't understand how to work it yet. I'm beyond, I'm not the most technically literate person in the world, and I'm I know my I know my shortcomings and I know my my weaknesses, and I'm cool with that. I don't I I I, 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 I believe in the Pareto principle. I work on my 80 percent strengths as opposed to focusing on my 20 percent weaknesses. So I'm good. But listen, I uh I'm excited tonight because we do have a special special guest. Um, her name is uh, Miss Myra. Singleton, uh, we met on last week, a uh, week before last, a couple weeks ago, I forgot, uh, just chatting on Facebook and looking at, I think she noticed one of my comments on her page. She said that was very insightful. And it started a conversation. And then uh, I think she jumped on one of my lives one day and we were talking and I and I said, you know what, I want to get you on my show. I didn't know why I wanted to get her on my show because I was I was thinking about a different series, honestly. Uh, but we had a conversation. And as, uh, as a result of the conversation, uh, then I said, you know what? People need to hear your story. People need to hear your story because we hear this, especially in the Christendom, we hear this uh, Christian colloquialism about I don't look like what I've been through as to as to uh, indicate that I've been through fire and uh, metaphorical fire and I don't smell like smoke. I've been through water, uh, but I don't I didn't drown. I don't even look like the remnants of the water. But there have been times in life where you might not have drowned, but you might have felt overwhelmed or you might have been through some fire and things might have gotten hot on you uh but but you made it through it and in making it through it it made you say i don't look like what i've been through because it it seems like isn't it funny that what you were able to walk on by faith drowned other people and this is a rhetorical question i'm talking to the audience right now the very thing that would have taken somebody else out here you are thriving after it. And you got this whole thing now called a testimony, right? And scripture teaches us that 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 we are overcomers by the blood of the lamb and by the words of our testimonies, right? So when Myra and I started talking, uh, I don't know why, because we just met. <laughs> we didn't know each other from Adam, but she felt comfortable talking to me. And she started sharing some things with me about her testimony. And I'm going to be honest with you, I was floored. I was amazed because then she started sending me some pictures. And I'm like, really? Wow, you went through all that. And so I asked her, I said, hey, do you want to tell your story? And she said, yes. I said, well, cool. Come on the intellectual stew. 
and let's talk about it. And that, and thus, that's how this uh, show emanated. So let me introduce, uh, let her introduce herself. Myra, come on, tell the people who you are. Well, my name is Myra Singleton, and I'm speaking tonight as a survivor, as a woman of faith, and as a person who just wants to inspire, help, and be a blessing to others. Okay. You want to inspire. So let me ask this first before we get deeper into this conversation. I know you just said that you want to inspire others, and that's good. But overall, holistically, what is it that you want the listeners to get out of this conversation? Well, um, I guess for different people, they get different things. Uh, Mm -hmm. Typically, um, I'm targeting people who may be going through a difficult time, who may be having um, difficulty holding on to their faith. Mm -hmm. Uh, People, and that can be in any aspect of life. And then also people who are going through different health issues. And uh, what I've learned from sharing my journey just from the beginning, people start inboxing me who didn't have anything going on health-wise. It just like make them look at things that were going on in their life in a different light. You okay. know, one person said, oh, wow, I was over here tripping on this, making a big deal out of this. Then I saw your post and I realized I need to be quiet, wow. <laughs> you know, because it was something minuscule, something, you know, um, that that really didn't hold a lot of weight, you know, when they really just stepped back and looked at it. Yeah, because everybody's going through something. No, no doubt about it, you know, and, 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 it, and it's so often it's so easy to come meistic, as I like to call it. It's so easier to develop what J. Vernon McGee calls perpendicular iitis. You know, it's all about me. I'm the, woe is me, woe is me. But then the very moment when you think things are bad, you meet somebody else and their situation's a whole lot worse. You know, uh, you know, uh, it, you know. I thought I thought I was doing real bad because my shoes had a couple of holes in them, right? But then I looked up and somebody else didn't have feet, right? And they had to work. So, and so everybody is going through something and like i said you my friend uh and i and i don't use that term loosely um you definitely uh embody the whole if 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 i don't look like what i've been through as a person you definitely embody that and and i appreciate that so uh listen if you're in the comments right now do me a favor uh hit uh type in hashtag live and let me know where you're listening to uh listening from i mean listening from if you're in mississippi i think uh I think somebody on this uh, live is from the MI Crooked Letter, Crooked Letter, I, Crooked Letter, Crooked Letter, I, Humpback, Humpback, I. So uh, if uh, did you go to U- University of Arkansas? I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> that was shade. That was shade. That was shade. That was shade. But uh, so wherever you listen from, do me a favor. Hit hashtag live Mississippi. Hashtag live Little Rock. Hashtag live Atlanta. Hashtag live Orlando. And let me see where you're listening from. Okay. We got Reagan Singleton. She's from Mississippi. Okay. Let's get some more people. That's your daughter? Okay, okay, okay. Oh, duh, last name, Singleton, right there. It's no wonder she says she's gorgeous. Uh, Reagan, you're probably a little uh, biased in that regard, and that's okay. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. So let's talk. Let's let's get into this conversation. Let's okay, get into this conversation. And you all that are in the comments, if you, I, I wanna, I'm thinking about doing something. I'm thinking about doing something. I'm not putting a time limit on this conversation. So if she gets tired and wants to stop talking, then, of course, she can let me know. But at about 10 o'clock, 10, 15, if there's someone in here that might be going through a similar situation and you want to come on and perhaps share your testimony, I'm going to open that up towards the end of the conversation. But right now, Myra and I, okay, we got, who we got? We got Reagan. We got John Avery from Jackson, Mississippi. We got Shannon Jackson Hill from uh, Dallas, Texas. We got Joe Lavelle. He's from 
he's not following instruction, but he said, where you from? Oh, he's from New Jersey. We got Stacey Terry from Knoxville, Tennessee. We got Corey London. She had already spoken, but I know she's from Orlando. So here we go. Talk to me about life prior to 2017, because as I know it, it was 2017 or 2019? 19. Okay, yeah. Talk to me about uh, 2019. I mean, what was prior to going to the doctor? What was life like for you? You were your professional life, your faith, your finances, your family. What I mean, what trajectory were you on at this point in your life? You're in your mid forties. You know things are going with. What is life like for you at that point? Well, I would say at that time I felt like I was sitting on top of the world. Okay. I felt like everything that I had been working so hard for had been coming to fruition. Um, I was in the sixth year of my profession as a licensed insurance agent. And so I no longer had to call leads. Uh, basically, everybody called me. All I had to do was pick up the phone. Uh, my daughter was in college. <laughs> I was making a lot of money. I was in love. I was traveling every other month. And uh, I just felt like life was good um, in my faith. Um, I was attending church. I was, hospi- I was director of hospitality at the church that I was attending. And mm-hmm. I just felt like everything had aligned. I was extremely happy. Okay. Okay. And so all these things are going well and I, I can relate to the life insurance things. I, I never started calling the leads to be honest with you. And that's why I'm stuck where I am. I need to, I need to call some leads. I promise I need to call some leads. I'm going to call some leads. Lead. But like you're on top of the world, things are going well. Income is where you need to be. You live. I know what side of town you live on. So I, I get, I get that side of it. Daughter's in college. So by all of societal standards, you're on you're on the trajectory. You're on the you're on the path. I mean, you're 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 there. You know, I mean, not I me mean, got income. I mean, all these things are right. And then all of a sudden something prompts you to go to the doctor. What happened? Well, I have been having problems with a cough off and on, okay. but that's pretty typical every year. Um, I spend a lot of time outside planting flowers, doing yard work. It's kind of like my therapy, and I like making things pretty. So okay. I typically get some type of allergies that turn into a lot of times a sinus infection. So at first it was nothing really alarming. And then, you know, I would treat it and it would go away. And then it just kept coming back. And so I ended up going to see an ENT. He comes in the room, uh, puts a scope down my nose. He's in and out the room in five minutes. And he tells me to just use Flonase every day and I'll be fine. That was January, 2019. Okay. So I started using the Flonase. The symptoms still just kept coming back, and I just started coughing worse, worse, and worse. And then, um, you know, blood started being involved. So I made a doctor's appointment with my primary caregiver. They gave me, me, can I, let me let me let me stop you right quick. Hold on, okay. real quick. When you said blood started coming up, are you talking about blood through your nostrils, blood out of your mouth? Out of my Where mouth. Was, okay. 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 Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. because the coughs would just be so hard, just constant and hard coughs. So it was very, very unusual. Okay. And so, uh, but it, a lot of times it would be treatable by cough medicines. It would kind of calm it. And uh, so I went to the doctor again and they gave me a uh, narcotic um, cough medicine. Okay. And I was told that this should take care of everything, which it did pretty much. But they said, if the cough comes back, you know, come back to them. So two weeks later, the cough didn't come back, but I developed a wheezing sound. Mm. And it was... Um, just sometimes like breathing, I could just hear like a little wheeze. And I just, okay, this is something odd. This is this is new. And then it got to the point where it was really bad. I remember one day I was going to take a nap so I can get up and run errands. 
And this wheezing sound kept waking me up out of my sleep. So wow. I recorded myself and I sent it um, to my mom and, you know, she called me back and she was, she was really alarmed. You know, she told me to go to the emergency room right away. Uh, she thought maybe my airways were closing down. Okay. And I just thought it was kind of funny because my mom is, you know, she's far away and I'm her baby. So I'm thinking she's kind of overreacting. And I'm like, mom, no, I'm taking mucinates. I'm fine. I felt fine. Uh, you know, I just cut limbs off my trees like the week before. And then I'm getting, getting ready to go to Home Depot and go to Ross. And so, she, you know, she talked to me and she just said, um, just go to the emergency room just for me. Okay. And I went to the emergency room and um, they took x-rays and they saw the tumors everywhere. And that's how everything started. Wow. Wow. So now... Wow. Okay. If you all are listening, please do me a favor. Uh, type hashtag live. Let me know where you're listening from. Atlanta, uh, Little Rock, wherever you're listening from. Uh, the conversation is getting real now. We're uh, we're we're on with Miss Myra Singleton. Uh, in 2019, she was on top of the world. Thing by her by, by societal standards, she's doing well. Uh, she's making good money. Daughters in college. Uh, all these things. We haven't gotten there yet. We, she said saw tumors, Joe. Uh, saw tumors in her body. Saw tumors. Uh, and the name of the show is called, I don't, at the top, y'all can see it. I don't look like what I've been through. So we're going through all this whole situation. She's a uh, day preview, prior. She's cutting limbs, just having trouble breathing. You know, she feels fine. Mucinex is, think, thinks Mucinex might do the job. Mom tells me to go. Mom tells her to go to the doctor, go to the emergency room, get things checked out. You go to the emergency room, you see, they say that they see tumors. Now things have gotten real because that's not what you're expecting to hear. You're not expecting to get on, to go to the doctor. You were expecting that it was just some inflammation, you know, let's uh, get an antihistamine. Huh? I thought it was yeah. a sinus infection. Yeah, it's a sinus infection. I mean, I mean, I get them all the time. You know, I, I, well, I, I get you know, but I, I get it, you know, so. So now that they tell you that uh, they see tumors, what's the next process? Uh, what do you? What do you? What, what do you? What's the next process at that point? The next step <laughs> well, in the I process. That I was an initial mean. shock. Okay. And then the doctor comes in, and um, there was a board in the room, and he got a little pen, and he started drawing like circles, uh, like showing me, trying to give me a visual of about the size of the different tumors. Okay. Uh, just say, for instance, on my liver, I had a tumor that was nine centimeters, another that was six centimeters. Uh, then the tumor behind my right lung was 12 centimeters, about the size of a grapefruit. And um, there were just tumors just all throughout, <laughs> spine, spleen. And at that time, of course, um, you know, that's just the initial step, but further tests showed more. But they mm -hmm. knew at that time that I needed immediate help. And okay. I was shocked. I was really, really shocked. I was taking selfies every day, thinking I was cute. I had no idea that. Oh I no, you were cute. cute. You were, no, you were cute. That mean, I, blind Bartimaeus <laughs> can see you were cute. That's not. That's not the. That we can see that. But no, I'm, I'm joking. I'm not flirting, y'all. I'm playing. I'm playing. No, but I mean, uh, a lot of times you think if someone has stage four cancer that you can look at them and say, "Oh, they're sick." Now, hold no. on, hold on. You 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 just you just ran by that one. You just ran by that one because you didn't. T you have not told the audience that you had stage four cancer. All you told them was that they saw tumors. So yeah. now let's talk about that process. So they see the tumors. I know mm -hmm. they have to test them to see what type of, you know, if it's benign, malignant, 
if what type of cancer it is, yada, yada, yada. How long did that process take to find out what type of cancer was, how advanced the stage was? How, 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 from the time things got real, mm-hmm. where Myra had to look in the mirror and say, okay, this is real now. Mm-hmm. How long did it take to find out the full diagnosis? You understand what I'm saying? And what oh, yeah. the next steps would be going forward? Well, it took about a week. And okay. at this time, um, I wouldn't say that I was in shock. I just kind of went into the, like the fight or flight mode. I decided that I was immediately going to fight. Okay. And I didn't even cry. Okay. <laughs> you know, so oh, wow. they immediately admitted me to the hospital. And they, you know, kind of told me what to expect over the next few days. And uh, me being the workaholic that I was, um, that night, you know, I told someone, I said, I need somebody to bring my laptop (laughs) and some pajamas. So the next morning when I got my laptop, I'm returning emails. You know, I have my Bluetooth. I'm walking up and down the halls of the hospital, talking to my clients, explaining their plans. I'm writing up applications in the hospital bed because I just knew whatever it was, I'm going to beat it. I had no idea. You know, I didn't know there was stage four or anything like that. But then they started taking me for more tests. Um, since my lungs uh, were involved and I had the huge tumor, they um, I was taken for a bronchoscopy. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, that was unsuccessful because my lungs were in such bad condition as to where um, when the doctor uh, attempted to, well, when he sprayed saline on the lung so he could uh-huh. get a part of it, it started bleeding profusely just from the saline. <laughs> wow. So he wasn't able to do it. And then not to mention, I woke up in the middle of the process. He <laughs> said, yeah, you won't feel it. You you won't uh, remember anything. But I woke up and I'm like, yeah. And everybody, I just saw everybody's eyes get huge. Yeah, so um, that was, so I think just kind of fast forward, I think I went in like on a Saturday. And then by that Wednesday, when I got the results of the bronchoscopy, and the doctor showed me um, a picture of my left lung versus my right lung. Mm-hmm. And they looked totally, totally different. One was healthy and one looked like someone who smoked 100 pack of cigarettes per day. Wow. And I looked at that. Somebody who never smoked, never used drugs. I was just shocked. I said, wait a minute, that's in me? <laughs> and he said, yes. And that's when I broke down. Wow. <laughs> I could not believe it. Okay. And then just from that point, they had to do more tests um, to figure out what type of um, cancer it was. So they had to do a biopsy of um, my spine. You know, that's when they get a hammer and, you know, beat, uh, it's almost like they beat a needle into your back <laughs> each oh, time Jesus. they hit your whole body is, is wow. um, moving, moving with it. And so from that, they were able to get more information and determine that, um, the cancer had destroyed all the bone marrow in my spine as well. Oh my. Yeah. Jesus. So then they started saying, well, after we treat the cancer, you're going to need a bone marrow transplant. <laughs> wow. So it, there was just uh, so much. And so then they did a PET scan and then they sent me home uh, that Friday and then set, you know, set up the arrangements for, for me to get my port install gotcha all right and once again thank you so much for for sharing this because like i said and and be you know hey tell as much as you want to tell uh it's, it's your story uh and i get it listen everybody in chat uh share this we we got about probably another 30 45 minutes we're going to talk again we're going to go go a little bit deeper uh she's going to share some more with us uh and you think you're going through something <laughs> and we sit in here and we argue with people we don't even know on facebook 
and on social media and concerned about. And see, Myra, that's why I bring, you know, I, I can care less about Will Smith and Jada. I can care less about Diddy and all the stuff he got on. I like local celebrities, right? Because people that are touchable, people that we work with, we go to church with, people we eat, you know, all these types of things, right? Because these are these are the people that inspire us, right? Now, you have had them discover, you know, doing all these violent things to your body. And I can relate because I almost lost my father earlier this year. Uh, he had a, He had a heart attack and crashed four times. And they... Well, he had to have uh, quadruple bypass surgery, and they told us some of the violent things they did to his body with by using a circle saw to to cut open his uh, you know, his uh, sternum and all these types. So I can imagine what they were doing uh, to your body, right? And so, so many people could couldn't even imagine. So you've gone through this now, and they're doing all these tests, and then they finally come in, and what kind of cancer do they tell you it is? Hodgkin's lymphoma. Hodgkin's lymphoma. Tell tell the audience how rare Hodgkin's lymphoma is. Hodgkin's lymphoma is so rare to the point where I had better odds of winning the lottery. <laughs> it only affects 8,000 people per year in the United wow. States. Wow. So if it only affects 8,000 people, then that's something. It's not like prostate cancer because, you know, you know, there's so many tests, you know, so many cases of it right so they can work on it they can do they have a whole lot more tests they've done on that right they got more data on that same thing probably with cervical cancer breast cancer all these types of different things right but here this uh okay joe lavelle oh wow joe make sure your dad hears this joe lavelle just said uh uh myra that my dad has lymphoma now hey mm. charlotte yeah he said my dad has lymphoma now and, le- and let's un- let's understand this you all in the audience uh, and uh, Reagan said, that's her mama. Let me put that on the screen. She said, walking miracle. I can relate because my daddy's a walking miracle. And 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 since we started talking about this show, I probably had three or four people come in my inbox and tell me they were walking miracles. And if they're listening tonight, as I said, at the end of the show, if you want to come in and share part of your testimony, especially after hearing uh, what what uh, what uh, Myra went through and how she came through it, then uh, if you feel compelled, like I say, inbox me, let me know, and I'll send you the link, and we can do this. So now you know you have Hodgkin's lymphoma. Only eight thousand people a year. They only treat about eight thousand cases a year, and you. So you know now you now you can identify your giant, right? Now you can identify because you know in, in any type of enemy that you face, the, the, the worst enemy is the enemy you don't know. Because you don't know what angle he's going to come from, right? So if we're going to go here, let's go ahead and do it tonight. It, it, the worst enemy is the enemy you don't know. But once you know, see, when when Jesus ran up on some uh, a herd full of pigs, and, uh, he, and he said, you know, he, he wanted to ask the demon what his name was. They said, my name is Legion, for we're many, right? Because he had to identify him before he could cast him out, right? So at this particular instance, you need to know what type of a demon, a devil, a cancer you're dealing with so you can prepare the war properly because you told me something when you you said once you found out the diagnosis you said you went into warfare and well you didn't say use those words but you said what did you tell me you knew god was gonna do what oh heal me yes immediately you said no doubt about it no no faith kicked right in yes faith faith kicked in like autopilot so and the enemy came in like a flood God lifted up a standard immediately. So you knew immediately at that moment God was going to heal you. Yes. Okay. I did. So where did that faith come from? Just, I was always raised in the church. And okay. I've had so many instances in life where 
I couldn't see my way out of a situation. And it was just so doubtful. And God pulled me through every single time. Mm. Regardless. I mean, it, it just really just amazed me. So I've been through enough situations to know what God will do. Mm. And I've seen it with other people. Mm. So, and I know what God's promises are. Yeah. So I just started speaking it. Even though I didn't know the journey that I had ahead of me, I immediately started saying, I'm healed. I just have to go through the process. Gotcha. So even when I first made my initial post on Facebook to let people know what my diagnosis was, the picture uh, that I posted, you know, I, I said, I'm healed. You know, mm. so some people were confused. They thought maybe, oh, I was telling them about it after the fact because I said, I'm healed. I said, no, I am healed already. I just started speaking healing over me. And yeah. um, that's just the mindset that I had from the beginning. Uh, some yeah. spiritual people that reached out to me were telling me, um, you know, they're just trying to make sure that I had the tools to um, to stay, to kind of keep my faith because there are going to be times where you're doubtful or you feel weak or and it's okay to have those moments. You just can't stay there. But they were letting moments. me know they're there if if I needed them. Gotcha. And so just even in just how to speak certain things, like I learned, you don't say I have cancer. You say the diagnosis is, or mm. um, or you say the doctor's reports show. Wow. So those are the things that I, you know, that's how I, I started navigating things from the beginning. Then I started correcting people around me. Mm. Like even now people will say, are you in remission or how long have you been in remission? I say, I don't use that term. I just say healed forever because remission means the amount of time in between the next time it can reappear. So mm. one and done. So I've just been claiming that from the beginning. <laughs> Girl, don't make no shout me. I will do it. I promise you. I will shout. I will shout. So you said, you said it was in your mindset. It was one and done. So you had, you had, you had the right mindset. No. So today I went and visited my chiropractor. And my chiropractor acquainted me with a book by Carol K. Truman. And the name of the book is called Feelings Buried Alive uh, Never Die. Feelings Buried Alive. And what it does, and I, and, and I want you to think about this, and it's not necessarily, it's definitely not, not absolute, but it does make some suppositions. And I want to put this out before you. It, it, what it does, it, it attaches some emotions to certain sicknesses, right? Because I knew one person in Vincent that had rheumatoid arthritis. And when they had rheumatoid arthritis, uh, it was the uh, doctor asked what major traumatic experience, stress, tra stress trauma happened in that person's life, because that would usually trigger something to happen in that person's body. Right. So when I looked up in this book today, I looked up rheumatoid arthritis when they started talking about feelings buried alive, never die. Uh, it said that certain things, certain emotions, and I'm not making any accusations, I'm just asking for people that are listening. So that if it does, because John just said something about mindset uh, and Teresa Brown just talked about how the body stores trauma. So when we start talking about this mindset, it said three things usually associate with those that have contracted uh, Hodgkin's lymphoma. One, it says the inability to accept self. That's number one. Uh, number two, it says a frantic need to feel accepted. And then number three. It, uh, that person feels a continual need to prove themselves. Now you think about what I just said. I'm going to say it one more time. And then y'all in the audience, y'all, if you find yourself doing these things, try to correct them. Number one, there's an, an inability to accept yourself. Uh, number two, there's a frantic need to feel accepted. And number three, that person feels a continual need 
to prove themselves. Do you feel like that was a part of your emotional state before any of before you got that diagnosis? And I know yeah. I hit you with that one on hard. I know I hit you with that one off, <laughs> off rip. Because I, I sent you other. Listen, y'all, I don't never send. I don't ever. I hate using double negatives. Y'all going to think I can't talk. Uh, but um, um, <laughs> but I really don't ever, like, prepare questions and all that kind of stuff. I really don't. Uh, I just kind of like to go organically. But since it's her first time on the show, I tried to put a few questions together. Uh, now, I'm, I told her I might deviate tonight. So that's one I kind of deviated on. Uh, Teresa Brown says she can believe that. Because... We talk about mind over matter and we talk about how, you know, I know like last week I had, I got some troublesome news. Right. And that stress affected me adversely. I mean, I literally started feeling pain in my lower back, you know, and then eventually by the end of the weekend, I, I got sick. You know what I'm saying? And that, that stress did that to me. So do you feel like any of those things could have possibly played a factor where you were you were you were you feeling any of those emotions? No. I can't okay. say that I have or that I was. Okay. Um, I've always been pretty self-aware. Okay. Uh, I just know at the time, um, my the job that I had, even though I didn't have to work hard, it was stressful. Mm-hmm. And then the relationship that I was in, uh, the person suffered from depression. So that okay. was like a job within itself, just constantly oh, wow. trying to pour into that person, encourage that person, oh, wow. motivate them, you know, trying to make sure they're always okay. So it was a lot of work. And so... Oh, wow. Um, and I do know that the body can, I mean, stress can make you sick. And yeah. so I've always had, you know, taken a lot of supplements and had a healthy lifestyle. So I feel like, you know, things like that can lower your immune system and allow some th- underlying things to, to come in. But, you know, a Hodgkin's lymphoma, it's a medical mystery. Mm-hmm. So it has no markers like um, most cancers has something to do with genetics, hormones, what you were exposed to, what you ate. I mean, even babies get Hodgkin's lymphoma. It has mainly to do with your white blood cells. So you know how white blood cells fight off infection? Uh Well, when white blood cells are repairing themselves, if one of those cells becomes damaged in the repair process, it creates Hodgkin's lymphoma. And you have nothing to do with that. Gotcha. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. All right. So so now that we have the diagnosis, uh, Mm -hmm. we have to navigate the emotional portion of it you just you just gave you let us peek into the, that a moment ago because initially like you said you uh you uh you well you claimed your healing from the jump uh you asked for your laptop because you felt like work had to go on uh <laughs> you're in a relationship with someone who's depressed so you have to manage their emotions was your daughter in town or was she out of town how where was she in the process uh what well, i'm asking what, what was your what did your support system look like here locally Oh, okay. Well, my daughter was out of state, but she wanted to drop everything and come here. I wouldn't let her. But my support system was phenomenal. I mean, it's unbelievable. Um, (laughs) uh, I had so much support. Like, if I needed someone to be with me every second of the day, I could have had someone with me every second of the day. That's good. Uh, That's great. People just poured in love, support, encouragement. Um, I was self-employed, so my income stopped immediately. Uh, donations, mm-hmm. trips, uh, rides to doctor's appointments, uh, chemo, like whoever took me to chemo, that was a uh, 15-hour, uh, yeah, that was about a 15-hour obligation <laughs> each what? time. The support system was phenomenal. I mean, I, really? I could not, I mean, and it really helped me. It, it really, really did. 
uh, because you go through such dark times at times and just say, for instance, you wake up in the middle of the night and you, you know, check your, your phone and you have all these text messages. Those things are encouraging. Even if you can't reply, they matter. Mm. They help. Okay. The post okay. it made on Facebook, even if somebody just liked it, you notice who liked it. People may come in, so just put the praying hands. It's amazing how I remember those people. And sometimes I remind people, like, I'm forever indebted to you. Mm. Um, I'll be forever grateful for your support. I'm sorry, I'm getting a little more emotional. Because people love me who didn't even have a reason to love me. You know, wow. um, I guess people will show you how they feel about you when you're down. And mm. just the, the love was just phenomenal. Yeah, don't you start the crying stuff now, because I'm don't, don't have me look like no punk up here for real. Don't do don't do that. Don't don't you do me like that. But that's okay. Uh no, that, that that's real. That's real. That's real. Uh because listen, uh people don't have to be nice to you. Uh yeah. they don't. And and when people choose to be nice to you, you know, uh it's usually because you've done something that has impacted them. And and let's talk about your process. Let's talk about it because what, 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 so now that we have to go through treatment, you just, you gave us, a, you, you brought us in a little bit with the 15 hour chemo other than chemo. I mean, what kind, how many medications were you taking? What type of, uh, what was your, what was your ritual? What was your routine? And how much time did you have to spend in the hospital versus spending at home? Was it outpay? How did, what, what did that, what did that span of time look like? How long was that span of time? Just give, bring us in, bring us into that. Okay. Well, from the time that I was, um, first diagnosed in the hospital, to the time that I had my first chemo was about a month. Um, even though they tried to start it immediately, I just kept having different medical emergencies. And every time I would go to the emergency room, the doctors never knew why, you know, I would ask, why is this happening? And they didn't know uh, because Hodgkin's lymphoma is so rare and uh, I didn't fit the mold for anything. And so I, turns out I ended up being like a, a test, uh, like a test case. <laughs> And um, so uh, you were asking, so what was the, the process like? Um, it was a lot of trial and error. If this doesn't work, we'll try this. If this doesn't work, you know, we'll try that. Um, but just to go in the background of things, it, my whole body chemistry changed. Uh, Hodgkin's lymphoma swells you up. Just think of like a milk carton where the milk begins to sour, how it just starts to swell. That's how I began to look. And then I was on a lot of steroids because I couldn't breathe. Then I was on oxygen um, that I had to use 24 hours a day. And because the tumor was so big on my lung, and both my lungs were totally filled with cancer, I had to wow. sleep with my back to the headboard from Jesus. July to January. So if I had waken up and I had slid to the side, <laughs> uh, any, just I was going to be in a lot of pain just that day. Well, just to, to go back a little bit more, just to tell you about like the damage that um, yeah. that they realized that I had. Mm -hmm. uh, the cancer destroyed bone marrow in my brain. Uh, it was in my neck. It destroyed uh, part of my left clavicle. Uh, now this is outside of the tumors. It destroyed wow. uh, three bones in my rib cage on both sides. Uh, destroyed my hip, um, part of my tailbone, and it was in my Jeez. hips and legs. <laughs> And I, I felt a lot of soreness. They asked me, they said, well, were you sore? And, you know, you didn't feel anything, but I worked out a lot and I always lift heavy. So I was always mm -hmm. sore. So if my upper body was sore, okay, it's leg day, you know? So that's how I really didn't notice the signs. And so um, 
just uh, the, the process, oh, wow. They were trying to figure it out with me. So the, the yeah. hospital that I was at initially, they were not prepared for me. They were not prepared Jeez. for my case. I suffered a lot. Uh, when I said my body chemistry changed, I ate a lot of vegetables and things like that. Now, with me knowing that I'm in a fight of my life, I'm trying to eat healthy. So I'm eating vegetables. Turns out vegetables made me sick. Oh, Fruit wow. made me sick. <laughs> so um, then people were bringing me Ensure. Ensure made me sick because of uh, the whey protein. So I had to do a lot of research on my own. And I found that, okay, well, the whey, the whey isolate, you know, I, I can handle that. So I ended up transferring to Cancer Treatment Centers of America so I could get more specialized treatment. Okay. And uh, they paid more attention to making you comfortable with the symptoms, not just treating the uh, disease itself. Okay. So to me, that was kind of like a turning point. So I had my own pain management team. Now, I was on 25 different uh, medications a day. Um, it was just a lot. <laughs> it was, there was a lot. It happened so fast, you know, and yep. where I ended up losing my mobility and things like that. But, yeah. It happened so fast. So you lost your mobility. Are you in a wheelchair now? Yes. So you, so you, had, so you had to go from – and if you all don't know her, she taught martial arts. Uh, she just told you she lifted, you know, so she was in shape. It was, you know, she was very active. It wasn't like she was sitting on her do, do nothing, doing nothing. You know, she was, she was, uh, she was active. She was doing her thing. And now life has hit her. Life has thrown her a curveball. She missed, uh, and it, and it tried to strike her out. It tried, at least set her down for a little while. And that, and life would do that to you. Life, you know, life has a way of, as we're going about, our daily lives doing, you know, on, on our own trajectories, doing our own thing. And then all of a sudden something life happens and, and something comes and alters your way of life. It changes your, it changes your outlook. It changes your perspective. It, uh, it makes you, when you're used to being uh dependable, now you have to be dependent. You know, that that's, you know, now all those things are, she's a 100% self-employed um, now she doesn't have any income, you know, but thankfully she has friends and she's going through this. So I know, I know that that had to, to weigh on you mentally. I know that had to weigh on you mentally. So what, what were the most challenging aspects of dealing with this disease during your treatment? What may, what, the, what may I, looking at all these differences, what were the most challenging aspects of dealing with the disease and how did you overcome those challenges? Well, I think one of the things that just hit me the hardest in the beginning is that I knew from the beginning, I was telling myself, well, I'm stronger than most people. So uh, this this diagnosis won't affect me like it did others. <laughs> Girl, I'm, I, I think I love you. She said, I'm stronger than most people. So I know, y'all listen here, y'all, y'all, I'm about to shout up. I start speaking in tongue tonight, y'all don't, 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 uh, don't report me to the FCC or nothing. But listen here, hold on, I'm going to stop. She said, I'm stronger than most people. So I know that this cancer, and this is what I'm saying, because see this, what y'all got to understand what's going on here is what you call faith talk. And faith talk, it's see, life is not an event, right? Life is a process, right? We don't just, well, you know, if you live 51 years, you don't just wake up 51. You had to live 50 of those years prior to that 51, right? And so something happened in her life that, in, that seeded and produced and, uh, cause her faith to increase over the years because we all have a faith file or we should those are, that have our different faith or whatnot and when we're when we come into a point where we're facing a test 
we ought to have something in a faith file or something that we can lean on to. Because I'm of the opinion, Joe Laville. I'm of the opinion, John. I'm of the opinion, Stephanie. I'm of the opinion, Myra, that a faith that's never been tested is a faith that really can't be trusted. So when it's time to put faith on trial, are you going to call faith then? And to hear you say out of your own mouth, while after they have diagnosed you, that they've taken the, the whatever you said and hit you at the bottom of the spine and, and, and saw this marrow going around your clavicle and all up and down your spine. And then you have the, the, the mental fortitude and the fervent, the fervent to know that, that I'm stronger than most people. So, so watch this. So this cancer won't affect me like that. Oh, that messes, that messed me up right there. So, so once, so when that happened, is that is is that what kept you going the whole time? Is that what helped you overcome the mental challenges of it? Oh yeah, I mean a- absolutely. Because even though the doctors were saying one thing, I was telling myself another. Because mm. when I was in a hospital, one of those times, I was hospitalized three times within the first thirty days. And okay. one of those times, I was like, "Well, when am I getting out?" Because I'm supposed to be going to a jazz festival in Ohio next week. <laughs> And then I said, I have a cruise coming up in September. And so the doctor's like, really, what else you have? And she was just (laughs) smiling and she said, tell me everything. So I told her everything and she said, cancel it, cancel it all. I'm like, what? She said, you're not going to be able to do it. I said, but I think I can. She said, no, cancel it all. Wow. And I was like, oh, I'm not sure. I said yes to her, but to myself, I was like, no. But then I saw very quickly what (laughs) what she meant. No, but no, I love it. I love it because I mean that that's 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 an amazing faith, you know. And and, and people, we, we you know, uh, Joe asked a moment ago uh, something. He said, uh, "In spite of your faith, you know, how did you keep from doubting?" And I, I think doubt. And you and you can answer that question. And he, uh, in fact, let me put the question back up here uh, for okay. uh, Joe. And you might have answered it to an extent. Uh, let me see if I can find it. He said, "How do you fight the doubt that comes even with your faith?" That's what he said. How did wow. you fight the doubt? Yeah. <laughs> Good question, Joe. Good question. If anybody else has a question, I'm sure she she'll be happy to answer it. So let's bring it. Let's ask, ask him. I'm watching. Go ahead. How did you? How did you? The doubt is there because whenever you're going through something like that, the enemy is right there. He's waiting for you. <laughs> so the the enemy wants to defeat you. He wants you to question your faith or lose your faith. So with me just making it a focus every day, I had materials that I read every day. I had healing scriptures, healing prayers. Uh, affirmations that I did every day. And sometimes, um, let me tell you how bad it got. So whatever fears you have, when you start going through a life-threatening situation, the enemy makes makes it so those fears amplify. So if you're mm. claustrophobic, then you start having problems. I start having problems with elevators. Like if someone um, pushed me on the elevator face first, I would panic the whole way until we got off the elevator. But if you back me in the elevator, I was fine. Um, just even being in a car, I would feel like I couldn't breathe. I would have to like turn and look out the window the whole time. Like this is crazy. I mean, I never had problems with any of these things. Um, going un, uh, under the underpass, like by the airport, you know, we had to go that way every time to go to uh, to Cancer Treatment Centers of America. If I saw that, I would immediately start sweating. Then in my dreams, the enemy was waiting for me in my dreams. Wow. So it made it so I did not want to go to sleep, but I had to go to sleep. I had to rest. So um, yeah, just bad dreams, nightmares. So just reaching out to my spiritual partners, 
praying, talking to God. And sometimes I would just rebuke the devil just out loud, you know, tell yeah. him that I belong to God. You know, yeah. I would just like yell that in my house <laughs> and yeah. uh, just having just a good support system, somebody that you can uh, check good. in with and just be vulnerable with. Um, it, it really does take a village. It, it really does. And I say everybody has uh, moments where they start, their faith begins to waver. But, you know, we really don't have to have a lot of faith, you know, just mm. the faith of a mustard seed. So if you can just hold on to that, that's all that God requires. Just and, enough. Just enough faith, huh? Yes. Yeah. If you if you got enough faith, he got he he can work with that. He 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 can work with the rest of it. So you're saying because you start bringing up the enemy and all that stuff. So it it was it was a spiritual battle as well. It was at, it was as much a spiritual battle as it was a physical battle because and I, and would you say that your it, that it was your spirit that helped fuel your strength, fuel your physical to help you get get through it faster or get through it? Period. Do you think that it was your spirit that kept you in it? Well, I would say yes. Um, I've always okay. had very strong spiritual roots from when I was raised in a church. And then uh, my early 20s, I even considered going to seminary school. I know the Lord's calling me to ministry, you know, for quite mm-hmm. some time. And then once I had a chance to just sit back and look at the situation and I realized what I was going through wasn't even about me. Wow. Because um, for a couple of years before my diagnosis, I had been asking God to show me what it was he wanted me to do. Like I said, at the time, I was director of hospitality at a church, but that's not the platform, you know, that I was supposed to have. So when I got the diagnosis, I didn't question God. I wasn't upset. I just asked God to heal me. And so as I was going through all of these things and suffering, um, I realized that actually God had answered my prayers. He, (laughs) it's almost like he chose me. Well, he, he chose me to uh, to go through that journey so I could be equipped with the different things that I needed to be a blessing to other people. Now, I know that sounds kind of crazy to some, but okay. once I realized that, it even strengthened my faith even more. Because wow. even throughout the process of me going through treatments, um, I started getting so weak and my chemo was very aggressive uh, because it was advanced stage four. Uh, to the point where I, I had become so weak and you have to qualify for chemo. You know, first in the beginning, you have to have an EKG. If your heart's not strong enough, you can't. So I used to pretend that I could walk better than I could when I would go mm. to my appointments because I, I wanted that strong chemo. Keep giving it because they said they would have to dilute it. Mm. And um, so um, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I, I Take, guess your Take your time. Take your time. Take your time. I about these things. I'm sorry. I know. I said, take your time. I mean, we got time. Let's. So let me let me ask this because you told me something earlier. And I, like I said, I, I want you to say it. I don't, you know. So I just try to draw it out of you. Okay. How bad did how how bad did things really get? I mean, what what was the what was the worst point for you? What, what was the lowest point during uh, of the course. process? Well, well, I mean, at one time, you know, there was thoughts of suicide. Okay. And and I think that's very common. I mean, because your whole world changes. You know, I was someone who's always self-sufficient and now I'm someone who I, I can't even take a few steps, you know, um, didn't even know what my life was going to be like. And I was in constant pain, constant mm. pain. Um, every day I just used to count count down the hours to the next day. Jesus. To say a typical day for me was sleeping probably until uh, four o'clock. I would try to make it down the stairs. While we're making down the stairs, it would take me probably 20, 25 minutes to get down the stairs. 
and I would make my way. I had a rollator. I borrowed my mom's rollator. So that was helpful. Um, I would eat like some food, like maybe someone brought me or some rice chick cereal. Just if I warm the food up in the microwave and then I sit on the couch, turn on the TV, it was always the news. I will fall asleep because I would be so exhausted from just doing that. So I wake up, warm my food up, eat, uh, take my 25 medications, and then I get back in bed and I mark off on the calendar waiting for 25. Tomorrow. 25 medications. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, I actually, you know, each chemo, I'm just like, okay, just, I had circle each chemo day. So every day I just marked off. So that was, that was my life. So you said you thought about suicide, of course, uh, but were there any, did they almost, did it, at any point at the hospital, did they almost lose you uh, due to any of the treatments or anything of the sort? Did it ever get crucial? Uh, or did you have a coat? Cause I don't know, you know, like my, my dad, he, he was in ICU, you know, that he crashed four times and they had to shock him and bring him back and all those kind of things. Did it ever get that bad with Hoskins lymphoma? Well, yes, because what was happening to me was outside of the norm. Um, it wasn't like when they pulled out the textbook, the things that were happening to me did not match up. Let's okay. say for instance, when I had my first chemo, um, I developed all these pains, <laughs> you know, my, my back to the headboard, you know, how I had to sleep. And once my back was removed from the headboard, um, it's like use the restroom or whatever. There was so much pain, excruciating pain. And I couldn't Jeez. breathe. I had constant breathing problems. Went to the emergency room. The doctor said, I'm glad you came when you did. You have life-threatening um, blood clots. And mm-hmm. so I have a real high tolerance for pain. So I'm thinking I must have two or three blood clots. And when I asked him, he kind of started chuckling. He said, no, you have too many to count. I'm like, wow. too many to count? <laughs> and he said, yes, you have several behind your right knee. You have several large ones in both lungs. And then Jeez. those large ones have small blood clots attached to them. And then I had one in my left jugular vein. So, you know, all it takes is one to take wow. you out. Ah, no, this is a, hey, y'all, this, this, if you know anybody that's, that has had cancer and survived it, uh, anyone that's presently dealing with cancer, a friend of mine just got diagnosed with prostate cancer recently. Uh, anyone that, uh, that can benefit from this story. Tag them. We're going to be on for another 15, 20 minutes. Tag them. I, I, I want them to hear this because uh, I want you to see how beautiful she is now. I'll do, uh, Mr. Doberman Club, I'll ask that question in a minute. Uh, but right now, let, 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 let me stay on this uh, stay on this train of thought right now. Uh, now, physical appearance, I know, is usually a big thing. You just said you thought you was cute uh, taking all <laughs> your little selfies and all that stuff prior to this diagnosis. I'm joking that y'all that don't know me, okay? I do joke a lot. I joke and I don't smile when I joke so a lot of times you can't tell I'm joking, but often I realize physical appearance and health can be closely associated. How did having Hodgkin's disease challenge or shift your perception of beauty and strength? Wow. Well, <laughs> it forced me to to find beauty in places that I never mm. even thought about before. Jesus, um, my physical appearance was altered. You know, of course, you lose your hair, lose your eyebrows, your eyelashes. And then, as I mentioned, I was swollen. So my lips, nose, face, everything was swollen. And sometimes I would catch a glimpse of myself in the mirror. Sometimes you forget that you're sick. Like if you wake up, you know, you just wake up. 
but I can see the mirror from my bed and it will startle me sometimes because I would see an old man, you know, looking at me, <laughs> but it was me. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I just, I had people around me who always told me I was beautiful no matter how I looked because I remember one time saying that I look like a monster. No. And my niece said, you know, Auntie Myra, don't say that. You're beautiful. But that's just how I felt. And I didn't know if God was going to restore my looks, you know, not to say that I'm being vain, but I want to be me again. Mm -hmm. So, um, and then the chemo for Hodgkin's lymphoma actually destroys muscle. And my body type is very muscle heavy. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I ended up, my body ended up being like silly putty. And no. it's like I had to rebuild my muscles. Like I had to start all over again with two pound weights. Um, and that's part of the reason why I lost my mobility. And so like when I would wake up in the morning to try to get my day started or use the restroom, I couldn't just get up out of bed. I, you know, I had to reach down, grab one leg, pull it up, reach down, grab the other leg, pull it up, turn, and then get out of bed that way. And um, then just sitting on the toilet just to get up, you know, it was a task. Um, I had to like rock one, two, three, you know, you can't make it. Okay. Let me rest mm -hmm. one, two, three. I mean, so just doing that and then taking two, three hours just to take a bath, finally getting in the tub, worn out, feeling like a 600 pound person, turn the water on, you know, then just wash my arms, fall asleep, wake up, add some more hot water, wash something else, fall asleep. So I would do that probably three or four times every time I took a bath. Yeah. And a lot of things I didn't even tell my family, you know, because you don't want them to worry, <laughs> you know? So a lot of things I just kept to myself, which my daughter's never heard that before. Uh, yeah. Antoine, I understand your question. I just, it's just, I mean, it, it's not uh, somebody, it's not really, re it's not, it's not the line of my relative as far as what I'm going to talk about this particular month. Somebody wants to know if you want to say it, it's your business, but they want okay. to know how much, how much was your treatment? You know, I know you were selfing, but they're, they're trying to find out how much, how much you, uh, and I respect all comments, but I kind of try oh, to stay on a, on a plant train of thought. Yeah. Uh, but, it was over, over $2 million. Oh my God. $2 million. Yeah, each chemo was about, um, $160,000 for each. Chemo. There you go. My friend Antoine, there you go. Over $2 million in treatment. There you go. And then there was a shot that uh, you would get. There was a shot that I would have on my arm that would release some medication uh, 24 hours later so I wouldn't have to go back. And that shot was $35,000. $35,000. Mm -hmm. It adds up quick. <laughs> wow. Wow. Mm -hmm. Wow. 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 Well, Prophet John said, uh, where's the book? So I guess you need to start writing as soon as possible. So let's get back to this beauty thing. Uh, okay. Because, uh, you, you know, uh, of course, beauty, the, your, your perception of beauty has changed. You start to find beauty in other places. I, I, that, I think that's one of the most awesome answers I've ever heard in my in my life. Um, uh, but let me but I, I want to commend. Can I do you mind if I commend you for something? Oh, please. You sent me several pictures while you were going through your process. Mm -hmm. And y'all, I'm, I'm not talking to her. I'm going to talk to y'all. Uh, mm -hmm. On every picture she sent me, she was smiling. Mm -hmm. So if she frowned, uh, she didn't do it for the camera. She smiled. <laughs> I don't know if she was putting on to make sure her family th thought she was okay. I don't know. I don't know if she was smiling through pain. 
I don't know if she was smiling to keep from crying. But one thing about me is just my my mind, my sequential mind looks for patterns. I, I just I look for patterns in anything I do. And every picture you saw you sent me, whether and you sent me before and a, you sent me before, during, and after pics. She sent me before, during, and after pics. And between each and every pic, one thing was constant, and that was her smile. Now, while she was going through her chemo, she had a hat on. You know, she had, you know, she covered her head. Uh, you could see the hair was missing, uh, but she smiled. And and I'm saying that because it's so many of us, even those on this line listening now, even those that might hear this tomorrow, hear this next week, whenever you hear it, we go through a lot less. But we're frowning and we're upset all the time. We let life happen and we respond so negatively you know we act like you know we we flunk the test of life so many times i tell people all the time myra life lends lessons but we just got to consider the clues right but so many times we miss the clues and we sit over here arguing over semantics and you know we try you know and we you know we, we're missing the point on little dumb things right uh grandmama them said something dr taylor she said uh it done got late in the evening and the sun's going down and, and and I understood what grandmama meant right then, right? Now love is lost. You know, we don't, families don't love like they used to love. Everybody becomes so egalitarian in their approach. We're majoring in the minor, as uh, Dr. Bishop Taylor just said on the map. You know, some, but these are the things that matter. <laughs> I mean, because we have this beautiful young lady, this soul, this one. Consumer Reports published a study showing 95% of supplements on the market are contaminated and contain magnesium stearate which decreases absorption and increases a toxic material in the body, which has a lot of pesticides in it. Many companies are labeling it as a vegetable steroid. Central Silver has at least three dyes that are listed on the national cancer list as a potential carcinogenic. Most of the minerals in it are in the form of oxides. Oxides oxidize the body. That means they rust the body out. At Immune Wellness Pharmacy, you will receive supplements that are dispensed in glass bottles. They're vegetable capsules with no additives, no dyes, no fillers, no preservatives, no magnesium stearate. To know your body is absorbing the nutrients it needs, shop Immune Wellness Pharmacy. That's pharmacy with an F. Go to immunewellnesspharmacy.com to shop now. Immune Wellness Pharmacy restoring optimal function to the human body. This woman who has a daughter that has done all the things right, graduated from the Jackson State University, I mean, and moved to Atlanta, bought her own house. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry about the Jackson State part, but moved to Atlanta, got her own house. I mean, built a career. If you make it six years in the, in the insurance industry where you don't have to make cold calls anymore, you really wrote, your, wrote yourself a six-figure Make the six-figure salary without even have to do anything because you got enough renewals and things of that nature to start. I keep. I, I get it. I mean, I understand. So she's built this, and then all of a sudden, bam, roadblock. Things have changed. I mean, so how long was that chemo process? When it, how long was the process where I started taking this chemo, and then things start getting better? Well, um, my chemo was, was for six months. Okay, and after. I rang the bell uh, for my last treatment, you and I go in for a follow-up visit with my oncologist, 
-hmm. That's when he hit me with, oh, you're going to need 20 rounds of radiation. <laughs> he knew it from the beginning, but he didn't want to overwhelm me. Okay. <laughs> so I'm okay. like, wait, okay. what? Because <laughs> I'll never forget when I, like, when you first check in at uh, Cancer Treatment Centers of America, you get your schedule for the whole day. And they had, like, radiation oncology. And um, my sister-in-law at the time, Aletha, was with me. And I looked at her. I said, uh, we can skip this appointment. We don't have to go to this one. And she was like, no, we probably need to go to it. And then when I went to the <laughs> that appointment, that's when I was told that I needed 20 rounds of radiation. And I'm like, wait a minute, what? Because with the radiation, you have to have it every day, Monday through Friday. So I'm thinking this is almost 70 miles from my house. This is a lot to ask for people. And I've already had people to take me back and forth to all of these appointments because not only did I have appointments with chemo, I had appointments with my ENT. I mean, sometimes I would have six appointments in one day. So I had so many people um, who would volunteer and just take me. And sometimes I would just put out on Facebook because I didn't want to wear people out because some people just like, I don't care, just let me know. I just drop everything. But no, people have lives and stuff too. And so once I found out about the 20 rounds of radiation, I made a Facebook post saying, hey, you know, I, I just found this out. And mm -hmm. My inbox filled up and it's within probably 30 minutes. I had, oh my gosh, I had enough people to take me twice a day <laughs> who volunteered. I mean, that's just how much support I had. And I just, I'm just grateful to God as well. So six, so six months of chemo, mm -hmm. 20 rounds of radiation. Is that four more weeks? Uh, yes. Yes. But four I had a week in between. Yes, but then things got worse again because after I had my third round of radiation, mm -hmm. I became so weak. Okay. <laughs> Actually, um, because I was trying to go to Florida <laughs> the next week, but I just saw with Girl, Eastern, sit yourself down. You're trying to go to Florida. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm trying to go somewhere. I love your faith. I promise I love your faith. Wow. Wow. <laughs> And my oncologist told me it wouldn't be a good idea because he told me I would continuously become uh, weak. And so okay. I became weak and very fatigued. And it was to the point where I can only be awake maybe four to six hours within a 24-hour span. That's just how exhausted my body was. Wow. Let, let me read her. Let me read her, Lanza. And we're going to come back to that timeline in a minute. But let me read what her Lanza says. It was a long post, but she, she needs to get it out. She said, Jesus praise you. My dad was told. To, was told us in March that his stomach and chest was hurting. My dad told us in March his stomach and chest were hurting. Took him to the ER and they said he had heartburn. Came home and it wasn't going away and took him to another hospital ER and they found this huge lump in his stomach. It turned out it was cancer. Two weeks later he passed away. Two days after his birthday. My girlfriend just found out she had ovarian cancer. I have three family members that are breast cancer survivors but I praise you and commend you for your testimony. Mm, All right. That's good. That's good. So uh, six months, then we go, we start the radiation. We have a setback. So when is, when, okay. So when, when does the treatment stop and when does the process start towards uh, getting back to who we see now? Uh, well, radiation. Well, you are always her. I'm sorry. <laughs> who we, we you you never a different person. Let me let me let me uh, let me quantify that statement. I apologize. You were never a different person. Look, and to me, I mean, just I mean, sometimes I have to close my eyes to see. And a couple of times you made me have to cry real quick because I don't want to cry on this camera, so I had to kind of uh, do it real fast. <laughs> but uh, 
<laughs> but to me, it seems like you were almost more you because your spirit man had to step up, right? People don't really understand. People don't really understand that we're dichotomy, right? We're just as much spirit as we are flesh, right? And it's times that our spirit man has to really stand up for our flesh, you know, and 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 I believe in those moments, your flesh, your your, your while your flesh was weak and your spirit needed to be more, your spirit did what was necessary to sustain you uh, until you were able to get strong enough to becoming back to who you wanted to be. So we've gone through the radiation. We've mm-hmm. gone through the chemo. How long has that process been since we've completed those? And then what did the rehab look like? Okay. So that was, um, that was March, March uh, of 2020. Okay. And uh, just the rehab. Oh my gosh. It probably was September when I got to the point where I could be awake eight hours a day because I was and this was during the pandemic right yes mm-hmm. so how was your access to the hospital and all that kind of stuff because i know they wasn't hardly letting people you know hospitals were overwhelmed and well you were in the cancer center so i guess that might be a little bit different well yeah but actually i think uh, the pandemic hit around march and that's right when i finished uh radiation okay gotcha gotcha yeah gotcha. And so then i needed physical therapy because okay uh, you know you hear people say they had to learn how to walk again you literally have to learn how to walk again because once I started getting a little strength, I thought I was walking, but I was teeter-totter. And so okay. they were, I was told that they could have someone to come out to the house, but I was afraid because I I didn't have an immune system. Okay. So okay. Uh, I would just have to do things, you know, on my own, just try to walk around the house, just try to push myself. Um, but I'm trying to, oh, I do want to touch on one thing real quick. When you I bet. said, that, you know, I had to find beauty in other places. One thing that did happen, James, by me sharing on Facebook and just being so transparent, I guess um, that inspired people. So when they had friends and family members who were being diagnosed, they would like inbox me and say, hey, I told my cousin about you. I was wondering if you could talk to her or just okay. whatever the case is. And so I kind of started doing that. And um, then I had a prayer book. So everybody that was sent to me um, or that I talked to, I wrote their name down and what was going on with them. And so I kind of shifted the focus off me and I started praying for them every day. And Mm. I prayed for these people every day to the point where I remember when I would be in radiation, receiving radiation, I would go down from the top to the bottom. It's almost like a song. These things you repeat so many times you remember. And then Mm. I would add people, you know, mark people off or just whatever the case was. And so to me, I feel like that also helped to heal me because, you know, how the saying goes, whatever you want more of, give that. And um, I don't know, this is where the spirit led me. That's something that I just, you know, kind of continue, you know, to this day and the ministry has grown out of it. Um, But yeah, I'm sorry. I know that wasn't (laughs) the question that you asked. Man, don't do that. Don't do that on faith. Don't do that. Don't do that little apologizing. This is your, this is a, my name, you know, well, my name is up there, but this is, I I don't look like what I've been through with Myra Singleton. Hey, anything that you feel, if I'm not asking the right question, you know, please. And then just, and because I, I've, I've never, I've never prayed. I've never been diagnosed with it. I've done, I did a little research today and tried to understand it a little bit more, but I haven't gone through it. So having not gone through it and you have and somebody that might hear it that needs to hear something then and i miss it please i'm not i'm I'm not beyond reproach this is hey let's 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 talk let's talk and uh let's let's get it out uh i, I think we've shared a lot i think you know you've talked about the different phases we, we've talked about her faith life growing up 
We talked about uh, where she had reached financially. Uh, we talked about, you know, the plans she, some of the plans she had for a future. But then all of a sudden she finds out she has uh, a disease, a rare disease, something that, you know, they don't have a whole lot of data on. They don't, you know, it's only 8,000 diagnosed cases a year. And somehow it ends up in her body. She has, she says one of her lungs look like a smoker's lung, but she's never smoked, never done any drugs, anything of that sort. And she has to rationalize this, right? But when that rationalization comes, you have you present immediately. If, if if you have any type, if you if you have healthy cognitive skills, right? If you have any ability to think somewhat critically, at, at a, when you're presented with a problem, the initial thought is to look at it at least one or two ways. You know, am I going? You know, do I say "woe is me" and give up, or do I say I'm going to beat this? And she said in that moment, I knew that God was going to heal me. And and and, that, and you know what? Sometimes it's dangerous to say out loud what you want God to do for you because, because there's a crafty enemy, right? And the enemy eavesdrop. The enemy pays attention to the things that you say. And when you say those things, then he's going to try everything, Joe, uh, to, to, to plant that seed of doubt. He went to Eve in the garden and said, Eve, are you sure God said you can't eat off of every fruit, every tree? You know, I'm like, I mean, that means, I mean, cause you can eat out of all of them, but you can't eat off this one. Cause if he can just plant a little seed of doubt. So while you're on your back and while you're having to use, and I don't think people understand what you're saying when you talk about how they had to drill into your spine and they had to do all these things and why you would have to sleep against the headboard. It makes sense. <laughs> Because your back, your backbone, your spine is starting to be degenerated. So you needed some type of support. So it makes sense. You know, uh, we don't understand that that the spine is connected to the pituitary gland. And, 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 and that's that's the stabilizing for it. So I get it. And you went through all of that. And what I like about it is, Myra, you handled it with grace. You kept smiling. When people should have been praying for you, you said, you know what? <laughs> I'm going to flip this. Rather than me be pray, P-R-E-Y, I'm going to start praying for other people. And I'm going to tell you something. In that moment, I just believe, I just believe with my sanctified imagination, with the Holy Ghost fueling me, I just believe that God had to honor that. And he said, he said, because, you know, it, people, you know, people question, why would God give God, give Job up? Well, because he knew Job could handle it. He doesn't, he, he give uh, some people, it ain't Bible, but they make it, but you can find something to probably fix it. Uh, he gives his toughest battles, I mean, he gives the hardest battles to the toughest soldiers. And you know how many people would have just stopped the moment they got that diagnosis? You know how many people would have started planning their obituary and started you know, trying to make up, settle their affairs. But you said you had to live. You had a daughter. You had family. You had friends. And every and, and, and I watch your post. <laughs> you I, I watch your post. It, it's a scripture in Matthew 5. It says something about you are the light of the world. You know, in the city that's set on the hill cannot be hid. And it says, let your light so shine. You're letting your light shine. You ain't like a lot of folk I see out here making their light shine. And say, I got a problem when people make their light shine because then you become self-absorbed. It becomes about me. But I haven't heard you really say it's about you. All I've heard you talk about is your faith. And I think and I, and I think that's powerful because 
when we talked the other night towards the end of the conversation, I said, uh, what are you doing now? You said, I'm doing ministry. I said, what type of ministry are you like? Uh, tell, tell us what type of ministry do you do now? Well, <clears throat> I, I say, well, others have told me it's a ministry. So I've just received that okay. basically from people reaching out to me, wanting me to talk to uh, different people who have diagnosis, going through things and even caregivers. Um, it just kind of grew from there. And it's been a few years now. Uh, because the things that I've went through, um, I can relate. No matter if, if you talk to someone who loves you with every fiber of their being, if they never experienced it, they cannot relate, you know, even though they may want to. So when people tell me different things, uh, it's like I'm a safe place. They can tell me things that they're afraid to tell their family because they don't want their family uh, to worry. Or they tell me certain things and I say, oh, yeah, I remember that happened to me. Or when it happened to me, this is what I did. Or tell, ask your doctor to try this or try that because I went through so many different things that were trial and error. Um, and then just sometimes, uh, like, I didn't tell my family some things because I didn't want them to worry, and it backfired on me. Mm. Because I ended up being sent to um, a, a doctor at uh, CTCA, and she asked me different questions. And she said, the, due to the fact that I held certain things in, it created uh, anxiety and panic disorder. And I can okay. believe that. So okay. I want to be like a safe place where people can just talk to me freely. And then sometimes patients don't know what they need. Sometimes people will ask me, what can I do for you? And I will say, I don't know. I mean, because I never been through it either. Mm -hmm. And so with the caregivers uh, that I talk to, I can give them tips, give them ideas, things to try. So, um, and I talk to people, I mean, there have been people that I've talked to uh, or ministered to um, from all over the United States, and some of them don't even speak English. I have to speak to their children, and they translate. Oh, my so God. That, that's amazing. That's where God has put me. So it takes me back to me asking God to show me what it is you want me to do. And that's wow. where I am today. <laughs> and, that, and that's the and, and, and no guy got a weird sense of humor to take you through all that to get put, put you in that position right that's 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 a weird that, sense of humor that was my boot right. camp i guess <laughs> <laughs> that was hey hey Alicia, you came through you a soldier you are that my, my, my friend john just said she's a frontline soldier of fate so i get it two more questions number one in what ways has your perspective on life health and well-being changed as a result of your experience with hodgkin's lymphoma in what ways has your perspective on life, health, and well well being changed? Has it affected uh, your diet? I mean, how, you know, yeah, you understand the question. Yes. Yeah, so, well, I've always been like very health conscious, okay. so um, that hasn't changed uh, a whole bunch. I mean, there are some things that I've added, and now since uh, Hodgkin's lymphoma is a blood cancer, so there are certain things that I have to cater to for cell uh, cellular health and things like that uh, that I you know stay on top of. Uh, my outlook on life, it's always been a positive one. I've always been a happy, upbeat person. Like I've never been a moody person or anything like that. But I, mm -hmm. I feel like it's amplified. Uh, I have more patience for uh, some things. And then some things I have less patience for. Um, I don't really trip on little stuff. Oh, I mean, yeah, that's good. I've been through so many storms. And if you try to splash water on me, I'm not even phased by it. <laughs> You know, um, I take nothing for granted. Every single day, I thank God. I'm reminded of where God brought me from every day. I don't sit there and dwell on it, but 
I remember. So, um, you know, how people say, you know, some people don't stop and smell the roses. I'm that person who stops. You know, I'm never in a hurry to do anything. I only do the things that I want. And I'm very intentional about everything that I do. Okay. And I, I feel like I have to protect myself, protect my gift and protect my spirit. So I have to watch the people that I have around me as well and make sure that um, those people are, you know, trying to walk the walk as well. Gotcha. 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 That's good stuff. Listen, uh, we're going to wind this conversation down. Uh, those in the audience, I appreciate everyone for listening. Uh, we're not done yet, though. We got probably about five or six more minutes. If you want to if you uh, want to support this platform, you can. I'm going to put the uh, PayPal and the cash app uh, QR codes up there. Uh, several things we're trying to do to expand this platform i do like to bring on local celebrities i like to bring on we talk about different types of things we talk about dating i was married 20 years end up going through a divorce so i had to learn how to date again so i brought women on and had them show us how to date them i've you know done i've done a whole dating after divorce i've done a whole lot of different things uh, but we call it the intellectual stew for a reason because we we're able to talk about so many versatile things faith whatever you know we we talk about it and and this conversation has been one one of the best, uh, one of the best ones I've we've ever had. These are the ones that I like. These are the ones that I believe will change lives, and that's what I want to do. I want to help people. That's part of who I am. I want to help people, and I and I like I love the fact that Myra is on the same wavelength as far as being one that wants to help people. So Myra, yes. if there were one thing, uh that what if there was some advice that you would give someone that was going through Hotchkiss lymphoma or some other type of serious illness that was life altering, what type of advice would you give them? I would say first and foremost, your mindset is 90% of the battle. Hmm. Um, do whatever you need to do to make sure that mindset stays positive, reach out to who you need to reach out to. I have your support system, your spiritual, um, your spiritual friends and then do do some work yourself like sometimes people just ask i need you to pray for me i need to pray for you you know i need you to pray for me but no make sure you pray for yourself uh this is this strengthened my walk with god to the point where i feel like you know god has always been god but now i feel like we're like this i call god wow. like he's my g I mean, that's like, we have that personal relationship. You know, sometimes I talk to God and I hear him say, say less, I got you daughter. You know, so that's how tight God and I are. So um, yes, you don't have to be formal <laughs> talking to God. So I would just say, make sure you are, um, you know, that you're advocating, you know, for yourself and then know what's going on with you medically. Don't just listen to what the doctors are saying. Um, mm -hmm. Every appointment I went to, I had a notebook. Everything I ate and drank, I kept the log. And um, and actually that could have saved my life because I remember I was given a medication uh, by this doctor. And then later on, I was given another medication. And then it turns out, had I taken both those medications at the same time, I would have gone to sleep and not waking up. Wow. <laughs> so be an advocate, do research, You know, have people to do the things for you. Um, if you can't, and, but when you can just do all that you can. Um, so, and if you need help, let people know you need help. People want to help. Don't be proud because I know I was like that. I'm the type of person. I don't like to ask anybody for anything, but God put me in a situation where I had no choice. Mm. Um, and some people, 
I mean, people want to help because actually that's how we get our blessings is by helping others, being a blessing to others. So um, I don't know. It's probably just so much more, but I would just say, just try to hold on to your faith um, and use the resources that you have. And you can always reach out to me. <laughs> right. and, I, and we'll and we'll give them an opportunity to uh, give give them your information in just a moment. Uh, so I just put the uh, link in the chat for anybody that is perhaps that has not just to come on and talk. I don't, I'm, I'm not I'm not with that. Okay, I'm not just come on and talk, but somebody that's adding to the conversation that can relate to what Myra has gone through. Maybe that helped her through her situation. I'm cool with that. If it's some of her friends on here. Uh, something of that sort, or somebody that maybe wants to give a testimony, we can do that. But just um, to come on, just because, like I said, this this is this is serious. This is serious. This is not. I don't, I don't like. This is ministry for me. This is my ministry, Myra. You know, and this is my way of sh- shedding light. You know, so you just told you gave advice to those that were dealing with terminal illnesses, right? But I want you to give advice to someone, maybe not dealing with a terminal illness, but still dealt with something right uh maybe a divorce uh maybe a failure you know maybe a, a lost a job you know maybe dealt with alcohol alcoholism and something and 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 it left you in a in a bad spot right let them know how can they come out how can they come out what I mean what advice would you give them to help them get out of their current situation uh basically the the same thing that okay. i would say that i did um because a struggle is a struggle, a battle is a, a battle. And these are things that we need God to heal us from. And um, I would say, uh, other than praying, claim your healing, claim your healing every day. Then also do whatever you can, uh, reach out and get whatever resources. And you know, uh, you have to play a part in your healing as well. Yeah. Um, you know, just like I had to learn how to walk again and learn how to walk straight and um, just, your mindset, I would say that to me, that's just the biggest thing. And just your will to win, your will to win and ask God what you, for what you want and expect whatever it is that you're asking him for. Mm. So if you're asking him to heal you from alcoholism, just start seeing your future, how it's going to be, you know, once you're sober. That's what I started doing. I just started just looking at how things would be once I was better, once I was healed, once I was restored. And actually, things turned out better than what I even imagined. Hold on. All right, I'm back. He just blew my mind, so I had to bring that out right quick. He's about to, well, my fine. He's about to blow my mind. Did he blow your mind with this one, or did you? Did he blow your mind, or did you expect it? Because. Certain things I pray for, it don't really blow my mind because I expect him to do it. Mm. No, I would say that he would, he, that he did. I mean, because before I was so focused on money, 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 money. But when okay. I was going through everything that I was going through, I realized that it didn't matter how much money I made or had saved. It wasn't going to make me better quicker. And I realized that had I passed away, I would have really regretted missing out on so many things in life. So it shifted everything for me. Now I'm all about quality of life, making yeah. memories. Mm. Now I'm rich with that, even though I, I live a conservative lifestyle, but I'm fine. I want for nothing. So yeah. it, it really changed everything and put things in perspective. So I was on track to make about 250000 a year. I got sick. 
Um, I, I really don't even care about that. <laughs> I don't care about that. I just care about making memories, living life, and uh, just enjoying. Because sometimes people work, work, work. They don't even get to enjoy life. So I would never have that twisted again. And I would encourage other people to kind of take a look at that as well and not let it be something drastic that happens to make you realize, like, I'm really missing out on things that I can't get back. That was amazing. Sheila Sanders said, I had a friend who went through not telling anyone what she was going through. And we lost her last month because when we found out it was totally out of control. So you got to uh, share, share that, have, have a support system. And share that with your support system. I'm glad. I'm pray. I'm thanking God that the things that you were trying to keep away from your family, Myra, uh, that they didn't have to find out after afterwards. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, uh, but you knew. She said, "I knew it. I knew God was going to heal me." I'm, I'm done. That does it for me. I mean, that's that's faith talk. And uh, and I'm and faith talk is <laughs> faith does things that I've seen. I've seen faith remove spots off x-rays. I've seen faith pay bills. I've seen faith do a lot of things, right? When it's real faith, when it's, when it's real faith, you know, it doesn't mean that you won't have uh, uh, moments where your faith is challenged or your faith is tested. But I, and I said it earlier, I, I don't believe, I believe that any faith that has not been tested is a faith that can't be trusted. And Myra, <laughs> God tested your faith. And from what I can tell, you passed. Uh, <laughs> from what I can tell, you passed. And from what I can tell, it seems like uh, that uh, he's approved you. And uh, he's proven you. And he continues to prove you. Uh, so do you still have complications from the surgeries or anything of the sort at this point? Um, there are some residual things. But I, I do want to mention something that I just thought of. I'm sorry. <laughs> No, um, if you apologize one more time, you better stop. Okay. <laughs> so when I when I went back to see my oncologist after I had my last treatment, rang the bell, he said, I'm going to be honest with you. He said, when you first came to us, we weren't sure if we could save you. Wow. He said, well, we just saw that fighting spirit in you, in your face. Uh, it just made everybody want to give their all. And even the first hospital that I was a part of out in uh, in Lawrenceville, some of the nurses, they're my friends, Facebook friends now, because of the strength, they they just couldn't believe it. And to me, I'm just being me. I didn't think this was a big deal. And um, <laughs> yeah, it's just, I don't know. Sometimes I, I just take it all in and I don't realize how major something is until someone points it out to me because I'm just oblivious. Like I was just doing what I thought or felt that I needed to do. Wow. <laughs> I'm speechless. I don't get yeah. I don't get speechless often, everybody. So, uh, but I'm, I'm a little speechless tonight. I'm a little speechless tonight. So I pre I appreciate that. Hold on, you know I, I ain't do none of my commercials tonight. Hold on, I gotta do my commercial right quick. Then, I do, then, we, then we get out of here. Hold on, let me do my commercial. They're one. Hey, let's change the world together. Get your the world is changing tea at www.theintellectualstew.com. Listen, friends, I was stuck in a state of stagnation. I was depressed after a divorce. I was marinating in my misery. Didn't want to do anything. Didn't want to work. Didn't want to go anywhere. I just wanted to stay where I was. But then all of a sudden I had an epiphany and I realized that where I was was not where I was supposed to be. So I made an adjustment. And you know what I did? I got on the path to better. You know why? Because I realized that better existed and you know what i want to do i want to invite you 
to join me on the path to better. Get your on the path to better t-shirt at www.theintellectualstew.com. Will you join me on the path to better? All right, so there goes that. So I had to do my little commercials right quick. So uh, I need your address because I'm going. I got to send you a shirt since you're on the path to better. I, I got to send you one. So inbox me so I can uh, get you a shirt in the mail. And anybody else that wants to support this platform, like I said, you you are welcome to do that. All right. So you've told us you've given encouragement. Uh, you've given uh, your testimony. Um, anybody that has heard that testimony, what you are going through is it might be bad, but trust me, somebody else. It's going through worse. I'm going to pray in a minute. Uh, I, don't, I don't pray every time we go out, but I'm definitely going to pray tonight since we've had a lot of faith talk and I'm going to operate in my uh, income in my incumbent responsibility. But before I pray, is there anything uh, that you want to leave the audience with or and anybody in the audience before I leave? Don't speak now forever. or hold your peace. I put the link in if y'all want to say something. If you don't want to say anything, if you but you want to ask another question, ask it now, uh, because like I said, she's going to give her final remarks. And then I'm gonna pray us on out. And uh, like I said, uh, we're gonna we're gonna roll out. What, what you got? Talk to me, uh, Myra. Anything you want to say in closing? Well, yes. Um, I'm just reminded of my visits to like the specialist who put the scope down my nose and you know just brushed everything off uh, seven months before I was diagnosed with stage four. And then you know just the different doctors' appointments that I had. I would just say just you know be vigilant um, about your health. You know, sometimes people ignore things. Sometimes they don't want to go uh, because with uh, Hodgkin's lymphoma, the oncologists didn't know how fast it, it developed or anything. So because they know so little about it, because I was wondering, did I have this before when I went to see and he just was, you know, negligent and not looking enough. But anyway, I would just say just um, and then just always try to take care of your body, your temple. Sometimes people just push the limits with um drugs, alcohols, foods, and things like that, because all my doctors told me if I wasn't in the shape that I was when I was diagnosed, uh, which I had never had anything other than childbirth and allergies, they said I would not be here today. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Let's pray. Eternal God, our Father, thank you now for this, our time of sharing. Uh, Thank you for Myra. Thank you for her life. Thank you for her family. Thank you for her friends. Thank you for fortifying her future. Father, we realize that you are God that never fails and you've proven it uh, by making her an example. And uh, that example, God, is uh, now is one that we can all see. And now that we see it, someone that's going through something similar or something, uh, maybe not even as bad, Father, that now they uh, can move on a little further simply because they know that if you did it for her and you're not a respecter of persons that you can do it for us also. So, Father, I thank you now. I thank you for her life. I thank you for everyone that is on this particular video tonight, whatever they might be going through, whomever they might be connected to, uh, Father God, allow them to be a light in that individual's life. Father, allow them to come to know you like Myra did in a more personal way. God, allow them to know you. Now Myra knows you as Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. Somebody else needs to know you like that. So Father, will you reveal yourself to them? Father, somebody is dealing with a chaotic situation and needs peace in their life. Let them know that you're Jehovah Shalom, the God who provides peace. So we thank you now Uh, for what you've done. And Father God, we thank you in advance for what you're going to do, Father God. Let somebody, uh, as a result of Myra's testimony, let let them realize that you have not forgotten about them and that, Father, you're concerned about their future and that you will step in 
and that you are you you if, as long as they have the faith, you have the power. So, Father, I ask now that you would allow faith to be activated, allow faith to be activated, Father God. So those that stand in need of healing can know, Father God, that you are a healer. And then once they are healed, that they'll give you the glory. God, we thank you now for what you've done. We thank you for what you're doing and we thank you in advance for what you will do. Bless now in Jesus's name. Amen. And thank God. All right. Uh, I don't want to get off because it was a good conversation, <laughs> but I appreciate you, man. If I miss anybody, okay. Can I, Joe Lavelle said, can I add you? Tell everybody how to reach you. Tell them uh, Instagram, Facebook, whatever. How, how, how should people reach you? Uh, and if you listen, if you talk slow, I'll type it. Let me let me put it in them. Do it. Oh. If you talk slow, I'll type it. Can you talk slow? Yeah, just Myra Singleton on okay. Facebook. All right, Facebook, My, Myra Singleton. Mm-hmm. I spell and Myra. Then... I'm, jo- I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> uh, that's probably the best way. That's the best okay. way. To, yeah, because I don't put a whole bunch on Instagram. Okay. Okay. All right, and if you're uh, if you're not if you're uh, on here the first time and you're and you're following me, follow me at James H Kirkland the second. That's my regular Facebook page. Uh, but if you send me a request to my group, it's called Stu Nation, the followers of the Intellectual Stu podcast. We keep these conversations going all the time. We we try to have adult conversations. Now sometimes they go a little left. Some people just I, I Myra, I've learned that some people if you put a post up, I think they think they're supposed to argue. <laughs> Hey, it's Facebook. <laughs> I, man, I make general post specific. You know, I mean, it just something can be true and not be applicable to you, right? Mm-hmm. If I right. put a general post out, then I would say, well, my mama didn't do that. Okay. <laughs> I'll get up, but I digress. Anyway, we try to have good conversations. So if y'all want to be a part of that group, I appreciate you. Uh, Myra, I, we friends now, man. Give me a high five in the spirit. Give me a high five in the spirit. Yeah, we're going to meet for lunch or something. I, I appreciate you, y'all. Uh, you, you, I'm sure everybody was blessed by this testimony. And if you weren't, yeah, if you weren't, if you weren't blessed by this testimony, you might already be dead. <laughs> and that's spiritually. I'm not, I mean, I'm, I, I use a lot of metaphors and parables at certain yeah. times. And, and I do that. Uh, but yeah, if, uh, if you weren't moved by this, if something doesn't, if you can listen to somebody's testimony like this and not shed a tear, not feel something, something inside of you might already be dead. Mm. Real talk. Real talk. Let me turn my music on so I can get out of here. Uh, okay. I like my little music. Y'all, I hate I didn't get my in, I didn't get my intro in earlier because I was trying to learn uh whatever though. It, it didn't happen. So I am here my music here. All right, so we out. Thank you everybody for listening. I appreciate you all. That's my music. That's me singing. I was at the end already but uh, as I always say before the end of every show it's still 18 people on here that's listening I can't believe it and that's the ones that I can see so I know it's more listening than than the actual 18 so I'm happy about that I'm trying to make the music loop back in yeah as I always say at the end of every show and here it is and Myra I'm sure you can attest to this now because you have this testimony guess what it is the world is changing but my question is why do you remain the same? Y'all have a good night. Y'all have a good night. And I, uh, you know what? This is my last show for the year. I'm not doing any more this year. Yeah, I'm done. I might go live, but the shows are done. I'll see y'all next year. I will see y'all next year. Yeah, I'll see y'all next year. Uh, Myra will be back. Yeah, Myra will be back. Y'all, y'all like Myra? Yeah, I know. Anyway, good show. Thank you, Jarvis. I saw you, my friend. How you doing, buddy? Uh, we out.
got uh, Quentin, Quentin, Mississippi. All right, y'all be good. I'm out. I mean, let me cut this out. I'm tired. So, I'm sleeping. International.